0: Thank you guys. This is old home week. Appreciate you being here. (laughs) Now, you have an outline this morning. And I finally figured out why I gave outlines out. I preach so slow (laughs) compared to Grant that when we wake up, we need a place to remind ourselves where we were. So you have, you have an outline. A uh, couple of things I wanted to, to, to say. I wasn't here last week when uh, uh, my buddy uh, Dan Jones passed, and uh, Peggy's here. Uh, I called Peggy, and Peggy said, don't you dare come off vacation. You're there with your children. And Dan wouldn't want you to come back, and Dan's with Jesus, and I'm okay. That's what Peggy told me. She let me off the hook, and I felt, I thank you, Peggy, because that, that did help me. I love Dan. You know, I was thinking, Dan and I have been together about 30 years. Dan built the very first pulpit I preached off of here as, as a Christ church, and uh, was back then in Central North. And... uh I was thinking, you know, you hear the phrase that death overtakes you, death overtakes you. Death didn't overtake Dan, Dan charged death like a you know, you you know those guys that uh, have the, the knights that have the armor on and have that jousting pole and they just charge full speed. That's the way Dan did death. Dan had COPD and he knew he had a harsh death coming. And he didn't want that for Peggy. He called me Had Peggy called. He wanted to go into the nursing home. How many of you ever saw a volunteer? He wanted to do that because he loved his wife and he didn't want Peggy to have to go through that burden of having to care for him. She would have done it in a heartbeat. But he didn't want that for her. And then God honored him. Uh, he he took that jousting pole and he charged at death and God honored that. Uh, he fell last Sunday and just never came back. He, his blood wouldn't recover. Uh, the carbon monoxide wouldn't level out. and He went on to see Jesus. V- yes, we do thank the Lord. But Dan, Dan was a special guy. And I love Dan. And Peggy, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to be here. Now speaking of that guy jousting. You know, the guy on the horse with the pole. Now, y'all know Grant ain't right. I mean, his mind just doesn't work like other people's minds work. And uh, so he, he asked me the other day, now, the true story, we we just sitting around, and he said, wonder when they quit jousting? I said, what? He said, I wonder when they decided to quit jousting, you know, like running at each other with these poles. And I said, well, Grant, I don't know. I really hadn't pondered that question. <laughs> that, that had not been one of the things on my worry list that I tried to figure out is when they, and he said, well, I believe I know when they quit jousting. And I said, well, great, then you can fill me in. I, I'm always willing to learn something new. He said, well, he said they lined up one day and they charged at each other and this one guy had his pole out and the other guy went, boom! He said he figured after that, that was the last joust. (laughs) I said, boy, you won't do. (laughs) Anyway, we do, we had vacation Bible school here last week. 12 youngsters gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Very excited about that. Very excited about that. And uh, this week, uh, they've got a crew of teenagers in Florida. The good news about that is is they thought they had one bus. they ended up needing two buses. So that means that uh, our youth department is growing. and uh, you know, when you got babies in the nursery, you got children in Bible school, and you got teenagers in uh, your youth ministry, the church has a future. You understand that, don't you? Uh, you know, so I'm very excited uh, about that. Now let's look at the father's role in life. Guys, we wear a lot of different hats, a lot of different hats. And I don't know about you, but I have trouble figuring out which one I'm supposed to be wearing, when I'm supposed to be wearing it. And then oftentimes you got one or two stacked on top of each other because the roles are kind of like overlapping and you can't just quit one start the other. But I do believe it's real important that we take and look a minute at the male responsibility in, uh, in their family. I was, there was an interesting article in the paper today. I don't know whether you read it or not. But it does say that a lot of the, the young people who are committed to, to marrying and who are in marriages are doing a lot better job of spending time with their kids and sharing household responsibilities and things like that. Than other generations, uh, other generations did. So that is encouraging, and I'm now reading a book about the millennial generation, which is that generation that our our preacher is a part of. And uh, while they're uh, not as a whole very religious, they claim to be spiritual. If we can tap them with Jesus Christ. It could be an amazing generation because they actually believe in home and family, and they believe that they can make a difference. So if we can do a good job of tapping that, uh, those young people for Christ, what a wonderful difference uh, we could make. But guys, first of all, we are to be managers of our homes. We are to be managers. 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to read this. Paul says, I want you to understand the head of every Man is Christ. Now, normally when we start talking about men being head of the home, where do we start? We start talking about men being over their wives. This is not where it started. Where did it start? It started with Christ being over the man. Guys, do you understand we're not like the owners? We're not like the executive director or the executive of the company. We're like one of the superintendents. You understand? We have a boss. Who is our boss? Jesus Christ. Okay? So it ain't like God gave us a bunch of women and kids to boss and kick around. It's like we have a responsibility under Christ to be managers uh, to His glory and to His honor in our home. So the head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So you see there's this chain of of following, this chain of direction that God has given. Now, guys, I want to share something with you. If you were, in fact, the manager of a company, okay, what you would be looking for is the very best talent you could get your hands on so that you could develop them and so that your company could be more successful and more successful and more the more successful and a lot of guys never catch this they never catch this they are jealous of somebody in their company who is talented they are afraid that somehow that person is going to get their job You know what I've always felt like? I've always felt like, first of all, if he's better than me, he ought to have the job. But I've always felt that if I'm able to find good talent and develop that talent, I don't have to be jealous of that person. That's a a feather in my cap. Huh? That's my job. That's what God has asked me to do. It says very clearly in the Scriptures that we are to take the charges under us, whether it be our children, whether it be our grandchildren. You know, I just, uh, I was so dreading last week. Oh, because I was not going on vacation. I was going to Florida and taking five children on vacation. And, and Lynn and I, you know, and I just, oof, I thought, man, but I thank you for your prayers. I asked for them. The children behave beautifully. We had a great time, uh, and and, and really, it was a special time for us to spend time with our daughter and to spend time with our grandchildren. But I had my chapstick so that I could bite my lip. (laughs) Yes, I carry at least two at all times. And uh, so, but the point is, in a few years, those kids won't have time for us. And my body probably won't feel like messing with them either. But, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to pass on, to, to give down to the next generation. But here's where it comes from, folks. If we don't get it from Jesus, we got zip to pass on who's our head? Christ. And if I haven't learned to surrender to Christ, if I haven't learned to love Him and be like Him, to know Him and be like Him, if I haven't learned that, all I can pass on to my kids is my old sinful self. Ooh, ooh! What a legacy to leave your children is your old sinful self. On the other hand, if you have learned what it means to surrender to the person of Christ and become like him, that is a heritage. That's the heritage you want to pass to your children. So as managers of our home, it's not our job to be harsh and mean and bosses and have it our way. Our job is to learn of Christ and help direct the family in the way of Christ. To learn of Christ and to direct the family in the way of Christ. That's it. That's what it means to be a manager of your home. But not only are you the manager of your home, you are the pastor of your home. You see, when God did away with the organized priesthood, you know who's the priest of his family now? Daddy. No, Daddy is. Under Jesus, under Jesus, Daddy is. The chief spiritual leader of the home should not be the pastor of of your church. The chief spiritual leader of the home ought to be Dad. And so, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, these words which I command you this day shall be, look at it, shall be first in your own minds and hearts. Look, dads, the Word of God should be first in your own minds and hearts. That's why Grant keeps jumping up and down about fighter verses. Fighter verses. When we were young, when we and and somehow they just dropped it out of church, and I've been guilty of letting it be dropped. But when I was young and in Sunday school, we memorized verse every week. Didn't y'all? We memorized verse every week at school too. But I'd <laughs> get you, I'd get you hung. But we learned a memory verse at school every week. We learned a memory verse and church every week. And I thought that I hated that. I thought they had to give me gum. They had to. Pr- You know, uh, uh, they had to bribe me with ice cream, and apparently they did a good job. And and uh, you know, they just everything to make me learn scripture. God, I'm glad they did. God, I'm glad they made me learn scripture. You know. And so now we're bringing back these fighter verses because you put these verses in your heart, in your mind, and God uses those things through the years to, to just take and anchor and ground you and, and, and develop character in your life. So it says, first of all, the first thing you do is you put these words in your own minds, in your own hearts. Then look what it says. Then you shall wit and sharpen them. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Nobody has a clue what that is. Uh, when you sharpen a knife, you don't do that anymore. When a knife gets dull, you throw it in trash, you go buy another one. I understand that. But in a time when you did, couldn't go get a, a, a new knife at any moment, and knife was made out of good steel, you had a stone. You spit on the stone. <laughs> That's gross. And then you take your knife and you start working the blade back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Turn it over, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you tested it by holding up a piece of paper. And if your knife could just fall through that piece of paper, you had that knife good and sharp. So what does it mean to wet and to sharpen the Word of God? You learn how to... Quickly use life situations to make application of the word. When somebody on television does something really stupid, like Mr. Weiner, uh, that might be a good teaching moment for your children, wouldn't you think? Huh? That'd be a great teaching moment to say, duh. You know, there's reasons God says, you know, modesty and so forth. And there are all kinds of things that you can use day in and day out to, to apply the Word of God to life's situations. That's why it says you speak of it when you go out the door. You speak of it when you're in the house. You speak of it when you're laying down. There, you, fathers, we never miss an opportunity to help our children understand not only what the Word says, but the application of the Word. (laughs) Problem is, we haven't done the first yet, have we? What does the first say? The words that I'm commanding this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. Dads, if we hadn't put the Word in our own minds and hearts, how are we going to be able to quickly point out and make life's application of the Word so that our children will know how not only what the Word is, but know how to make sure the Word is applied correctly in their own life? In other words, spiritual common sense. Huh? Huh? Spiritual common sense. I've met a lot of smart people in the world dumb as brick. And I've met a lot of uneducated people that are really brilliant because they got some common sense. Well, spiritual sense is meaning the the spiritual common sense is to be able to apply the Word of God in life situations. Doesn't do you any good to know the Word unless you know where the Word fits when it comes to making decisions in life. Dad's Moms and dads, that's our job. Our job is to know the Word, know how it fits life, and to be able to pass it on to the next generation. We're the pastors. We're the educators in our home. Hmm. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, who's the heir? Hi, John. What do you expect to inherit from me? Son, if I didn't give it to you when you were little, you just out of luck, ain't you? <laughs> I'm kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping he and Karen make their house note so I can move my caboose into their yard. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but anyway, who's the heir? It says uh, the heir as long as he's a child. It's talking about a man's son. A man's son, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all one day, but he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Dad, look up here. Have you taken responsibility for your children's education? I mean, seriously, maybe you just pay your taxes and send them to school and hope they catch something. Well, give up on that. That's probably not going to happen. When have you sat down with your child and actually worked with them in the science class? I know you don't understand it, but at least you can find out if they're getting a grip on it. With their math, when have you gone to a parent-teacher conference yourself? I'm talking about daddy going, okay? I'm talking about not leaving education to the wife, not leaving education to the school system. Dad, we are responsible ultimately for the education of our children i understand that if your wife is a nuclear physicist she's probably going to do better helping with the homework than you know than i am okay but if you don't take some involvement i'm telling you i'm telling you i, re- well, I didn't read it josh passioner was on tv the other day saying that a person with a college degree makes twice as much as somebody doesn't have one biggest problem we have is getting them out of high school, not out of college. You understand what I'm saying? And getting them out of high school that they still know something. I'm not understanding the whole principle of educating, of getting folks out of high school, can't read and write. Doesn't make much sense to me. Okay? But the truth is, and a lot of teachers in this room, the, the problem is not really the educational system. The problem is the home system. It ain't working. Most of us in here can read. If there wasn't a school, don't you figure you could teach your children to read? It, most of us in here can do basic math. Don't you figure if there wasn't a school, we could teach children how to do math? Huh? Well, don't you think it ought to be important to us that they learn something? You know? Not, not bragging, and I'm not. But one thing I gave my children is they can go out and make a living. You understand? They got an education. They knew that education was important. They learned to the work ethic at home, and they can go out and make a living. Okay? That's important, isn't it? So, dads, you may not be the one every day and every night that goes over every assignment, but if you don't do enough of it, how in the world are you going to know if teachers are doing the job? How do you know if your kids are in the right school? How do you know if you've made good decisions about the future of your children? You've got to be involved. Dad, you've got to be involved. That's not a woman's job only. We're the disciplinarians of our home. Look at Galatians 6 and 4. Fathers don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Now you know what that verse is saying? That verse is saying sometimes you do have to come down hard on them. But don't you dare come down hard on them till you have first taken them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Huh? Do what I say, not what I do. Do what I say, not what I do. Be, it won't work. It won't happen. You understand? It will not happen. And once you take your children by the hand and you lead them in the master's way, you're not going to have to come down to, on them very hard very often. You understand? Anybody can throw a fit and be harsh and be mean and be ugly. I can scare my kids into doing right for a while. You know, I can beat them into behaving while I'm watching them. But that's not gonna that's not gonna last for the long run. The only thing that's gonna last for the long run is, and it all starts back with you gotta have it in your heart. Who's the head over you, Daddy? Jesus. You gotta know him and be like him. And then, if you know him and you're like him, then you can lead your family. You can lead your children. You can guide your home. And that's what it says. You take the little ones by the hand and lead them in the way, the way of the master, like him. Like him. You can just beat the heck out of them if you want to, but you won't get the job done till you have led them in the way of the master. And finally, we're providers of our home. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel. It's been a while so I can say this. You remember they spell it W-O-R-K, not P-L-A-Y. I, wish, I wished I had a job that they just paid me to play. I'd like that, wouldn't you? That'd be a good job, pay you to play. But sadly, most people pay you to work. And God says, fathers, we're going to do that. We're going to not be selfish. We're not going to be lazy. We're we're not going to put our recreation and our own personal fun ahead of the needs of our family. We're going to show up to work, be responsible, do what it takes to make a living for our families. Sadly, there are way too many people who are looking for the easy way out instead of leading by making Responsible choices and work and work. You see, Dad, when Jesus was here on earth, the Bible speaks often of Him being tired, Him taking an early retreat, getting up real early in the morning and going off and praying. And, and being careful that he uh, spent time to, to rest, to draw apart to God, why? Because during those three years that Jesus was in his public ministry, he almost worked day and night, and he emotionally wore out. He, he wore himself out. Jesus wasn't lazy. Jesus didn't hang around, and wait on Sunday and preach a little bit and leave. Jesus committed himself to the job that God gave him of loving people, loving people. Whatever our job is, whatever God's given, the Bible says, whatever God has given to your hand, whatever your hand findeth to do, do it with all of your might. You know, dads and granddads, we get one shot. It's not a minute, and our kids are gone. They had a celebration at Arlington not too long ago. Truthfully, they had a celebration, an 80s celebration. Did y'all read that in the bulletin? Huh? An 80s celebration. Had music from the 80s, and they dressed like they were in the 80s and so forth. I don't remember the 80s. I was at work. I swear to you, I started church in 1982. I don't even remember the 80s. It, was a, it just happened, just passed. I woke up sometime in the 90s, you know, wondered what had happened to my life. <laughs> but work is just part of the way it is. You don't work to the neglect of your family. But friend, you work. It has to be. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, sink this message into our hearts you got to know him and be like him. There's nothing to pass on. You pass on only your sinful self unless you know him and you're like him. If you know him and you're like him, then you have something to pass on, and that is Jesus Christ. Take the little children. Lead them in the way of the master. Thank you, sweet Lord. Amen. You remain seated. I'm inviting our ushers to come now. We're going to receive our offering. There is a little bit of philosophy behind moving our offering to the end, and we're going to teach on it for a few Sundays. It's not the pastor's job To yank the money out of your pocket. The family of God, the church members, not the visitors, not the guests, but the church members are to voluntarily, cheerfully, gladly support the ministry of the church. And I spoiled you. Y'all figured when we got in financial trouble, John would tell us and we'd do something about it. But we should never be in trouble joyfully, lovingly, cheerfully we give our offering. It's a part of our worship. It's a part of our, it's a part of our, here we are, we're at the end of the service and we're thanking him for the material blessings. How has he blessed us? Oh, has he blessed us? And now we give out of those blessings, out of thanksgiving, out of joy, out of praise. Lord, would you glorify yourself this morning as we worship with our tithes and our offerings. Amen.